Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. Hey, Ben, this is David Duchovny. Twin Peaks is over 30 years old. There's so much more to learn about Twin Peaks. I, we recommend you pick up our book, Twin Peaks Unwrap the Book, to find out even more about the show that you love. We have tons of great stuff. We have over 100 interviews. We have commentary from the community. We have us. We have some great photos that have never been seen by most folks. I think if you're a diehard Twin Peaks fan, you're going to absolutely love this book, and you will definitely learn something new. So pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Gazaska. Hi, Brian. Hey, Ben. Another great show. We've got Ben, who's known as Bino on Twitter. And we've got Joel Baco. We'll talk about his Patreon. Yeah, very cool. All right, we're on the phone with Ben, who, you know, we might know him as Bino on Twitter. Hey, Ben. Hey, guys. How's it going? Great. Doing good. You know, you've been busy these past few months. You went to the... SF Sketch Fest, uh, which focused on Twin Peaks, I think, back in January. I did. I did, yes, in San Francisco. Yeah, I live, like, uh, about an hour, hour plus north from San Francisco, so I um, was able to drive down there and be a part of it. It was really awesome. It was kind of surreal, actually, <laughs> to be honest. There's a lot of people there. There's a ton of people there. It was just, it blew my mind how Twin Peaks has come back into the popular mind. Totally. And when I hear Sketchfest, I think to myself, oh, are they putting on sketches? Do they have some kind of script? Or, But tell us, like, what did this entail? To be honest, I, I, I'm not entirely sure what the whole Sketchfest thing is. Um, it's a bit of a mystery to me that Twin Peaks ended up in <laughs> this event. Um, I, I had never heard of Sketchfest before, but apparently it's a pretty big deal. And it's been going on for a few years, and it's a comedy festival. And, you know, I don't think that most people think of Twin Peaks as being a comedy I think it's hilarious sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but honestly, I can't, I don't, I don't know how it ended up there. So it was a panel of, I think there was 11 actors there. Wow. And it was moderated by James Roday, I believe I'm saying his name right, from Psych. Oh yeah, and he's a big Twin so Peaks fan. I, yeah, Dana. I think he's friends with Dana Ashbrook. I'm imagining that he must have had some way there and yeah it was an incredible experience though of course we all know the reveal of season three at what point during production does david sit down and i, know, I believe that was filmed early on in the production sequence at what point does, does david sit down with all of you to kind of give you the reveal of how this season is going to end and i, I guess just around that process or were you there with the rest of us on that final night watching it <laughs> The panel itself was, I mean, incredible, um, you know, to see all of those actors there together talking about Twin Peaks was just, I mean, in and of itself was great with all of those people there. It was amazing. I mean, I don't know, I'm kind of bad with crowd size numbers, but there was 
definitely like hundreds of people there, if not more than that. <laughs> uh, when I got there, there was, uh, I showed up maybe like about half an hour before it started and there was like a line around the corner of people waiting to get in, which was really incredible to see. And I was lucky enough to get one of the VIP tickets. So I got Ooh. to be kind of down close towards the, the orchestra section. Wow. So that was pretty neat. <laughs> and the VIP ticket included a uh, meet and greet directly afterwards which was, you know, an opportunity that I couldn't pass up, of course. So after the uh, after the panel, we got to shuffle down the street to a secret location Ooh. where we got to meet all the all the actors and get autographs, which was pretty special. I w- was Evan dying to meet Ray Wise, so it was really cool that he was there. To be able to shake hands with Leland Palmer was pretty awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> that is that's so cool. pretty cool. So after the panel and after the meet and greet, there was a music event at another location, and uh, it was kind of uh, billed as as being uh, like a, there was going to be an orchestra of musicians who were going to play Twin Peaks music and that possibly some of the actors might show up. So it wasn't really explained that there would be actually some of the actors singing and, and doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, musical numbers there. And Ray Wise got up and did Marisi Dose. It was like a dream. I mean, it was like, <laughs> when, does, when, does, when does this stuff happen? Uh, Ray Wise saying Marisi James Marshall saying Just You. Just you. In his normal voice, which was was different. Which is probably the, the voice he wanted to do. Like he, I, I mean, in uh, Reflections, Brad right. Duke's book, he talks about how Lynch had Ray done the music, and he 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 didn't really want it to be in that key. Yeah, and so it was a little low for him. Right, think, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he got the opportunity to do that in a, in a in front of a big crowd, which was I'm sure he was loving it. Chris Bell got up and sang. Sycamore trees, Ooh, which I immediately thought of you guys, of course. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, Ben and Brian would be dying right now. Uh, it was awesome. And I mean, Andre, it was really an incredible I mean, experience. And a packed house. There's no better experience as being with fans who love Twin Peaks all in the same room together with the actors from the show. Like when we were yeah. at the, uh, the yeah. movie festival at the, at the fest last year when we, were, we saw Krista Bell sing the poem. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was awesome. That right? was really awesome. Twin Peaks Fest. Yeah. yeah. And you also yeah, got to see yeah. Sherilyn Fenn. Sherilyn Fenn did her dance on stage. <laughs> I love that. Yep. Yeah. They did a they did a dance contest, actually. So they had Sherilyn get up, and then uh, she was doing her dance to, to Audrey's dance, and then they had uh, people from the audience go up and, and dance with her. Who else to dance? blacked out for most of it because <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've been a Twin Peaks fan since I was 13, you know, and I mean, when the original series was on, too young to, to go to events like this, but I don't remember there being 
things like this going on no, <laughs> at that at time, you know, not in the early nineties. So yeah, it just blew me away. And I also had the opportunity to go to the, uh, the roadhouse pop-up in LA over ah. Christmas. Oh, so how lucky. Yeah. I don't know how I find time for all this stuff because I have a pretty busy life. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> the roadhouse was awesome. But again, it was just like, I couldn't believe that there was so many people there. You know, it was, it was amazing how, you know, and people of all ages too, like people my age, people older, people in their 20s who weren't even born when the original series came on. It was just incredible to see so many people have so much love for Twin Peaks. And I mean, they had really good food too. Ben, you also had an event that you went to that had David Lynch there for a TM event. Can you share that with us? Yeah, talk about blacking out. I got to meet David Lynch. I can't even believe it. Oh my God. What did you say to him? Oh man. I like planned a speech and everything, you know, and it all just, it all just like, I barely even said a word to him. Uh, yeah, I got to, I got, also got opportunity to see David Lynch speak in San Francisco. I guess that was like um, a couple weeks ago. And you got him to sign your book? Uh, um, I did, yeah, I did. I actually have a, um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen his photography book of abandoned factories. No, I no. don't think I have that one. Oh, it's like my favorite, a favorite book of his. It's just amazing artwork. Uh, yeah, I got him to sign that. I don't think he was supposed to. <laughs> he was supposed <laughs> to be just signing his meditation book. And I pulled it out of my bag and he said, quickly, give it to me. Don't let anybody see. And he signed wow. it for me. So I was really stoked on that. <laughs> uh, oh, that's very And special. it said to Ben, which I, I took to mean me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I posted a picture of it on Twitter. Okay, uh, you can pretend. I can pretend. You got the real thing. Yeah, you actually yeah, yeah. actually yeah. be right there with him and talk to him. And uh, I, I'm envious of you. Yeah, that's so cool. Did you try to touch his hair? Did you shake I his hand? I totally wanted to touch his hair but i didn't uh, did you shake his hand <laughs> i did shake his hand yeah. that's cool that's cool uh, you got to shake his hand you got him to sign your book i got what to shake more, his hand what more do you want what yeah you that's need? so cool that's so right cool. i would like an intimate dinner with him is what i would like <laughs> <laughs> you gotta win one of those contests you know he was there with bob roth and they were doing a bob roth book release tour <laughs> so they were talking about transcendental meditation which was the, the main topic of the of their talk, but he did talk about Twin Peaks a little bit. You know, of course, the highlight for me was hearing him talk about how awesome it was for him to go back to Twin Peaks uh. in season three and, and to work with all the actors. He said it was a happy thing, but it was a sad thing because of, of the actors that, you know, That's we lost nice. since the season has aired. And he said, you know, he wishes that he could work with them again. You know, it was kind of touching. Uh. Um, also kind of, I feel like in my like obsessed Twin Peaks fan mind, meant that he wants to do a season four. <laughs> yes, that's a, you know? yes, I, I agree. I thought you were going to say that right here on the show that he officially said, yes, I'm going to do a season He's four. He's never going to say that. <laughs> He'll never say that. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, of course I, not. Right? There's so many hints, though. I mean, like, I know I say it. I feel like I say this every week, but, like, Sherilyn Fenn said to us that he, if people want more, he would do more. And, and the fact that— But then that, she got in trouble yep. for that. I know. Just don't say that. <laughs> And the fact that Showtime seems to be saying that we, we don't want to bother him, but yes, we want to do more with him, that it feels like it should be happen, or we should have a movie or something, a Showtime movie. Something, right? Something. Yeah, that'd be cool. No, I believe I believe in my bones that it will eventually, but uh, it might take some time, you know? Yeah. yeah. We can wait. We've waited 25 years. We can wait a few more years. For Maybe the, five. He yeah. said it took five, so you're... We're you really know. good at waiting. We're <laughs> very good at waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Ben, the last time we really talked about the show with you was at the Roadhouse, which I believe was part 12. Uh-huh. 
What was your feelings? Yeah, that's right. What was your feelings after 12? Like, so you got to watch 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and now it's, you know, months mm-hmm. later. How do you feel about the show overall? Too big of a question. Well, I love it. Yeah. It is a really big question, but I, you know, I, I love it. I am in the midst of rewatching the whole series yeah. again now. So going back and watching, you know, season one and season two is such a different experience now. It's a show that I've watched, you know, eleven hundred times, <laughs> but it's it feels different now um, to go back to it and and to see. Like I just got through the part with Mt. Um, Wentz and Vivian. And, um, you know, having read the final dossier and what happens there, it's like, wow, this really feels really different now. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but all in all, though, I mean, I, I love I love season three. Um, I can't wait to get back to rewatching it again. But I just feel in my bones that there's there's more to the story. You know, that's just me. But yeah, I feel like there's more. I feel yeah. the same way. I want more red and I want a more I want a oh, confrontation yeah. between Sarah and Laura. And I feel like there's just so much more story to be told. And I do. I hope Lynch will do it. Yeah. Frost will do it. A movie. A movie would yeah, be like great. Somebody, yeah, like so many people have said, too, you know, like if this is all we get, then I'm more than happy. True. You know, it was a great, it was a great ride. Right. Um, but I just feel in my bones that there's more. They've got more. They've got more to say. They've got more to tell. I want to believe that they're keeping it secret, but right now Lynch and Frost are actually sitting down writing. I really want to believe they're, they're, <laughs> they're writing as we speak. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I like, read... So much into everything that I hear too. Like I heard that um, Bob Roth went on to continue his book tour in Europe without David Lynch. I decided in my obsessed mind that that means that David Lynch is hanging back in the states to you know to write season four with Mark Frost. Yes, <laughs> I think that, you are right. You heard it here first. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's true. Sounds yeah, you heard it me. here first. <laughs> Years later, they'll be like, "Yes, that's what we were doing. That was it." And yeah. Ben, did you get the Blu-ray? Oh, of course. That day when it was being released um, I was one of the frantic people who had ordered it off of Amazon and it it didn't ship that day yes so I was I like canceled my order and went off to Best Buy and got it there have to have it like the day of or I'll I'll freak out I'll be able to sleep (laughs) I don't trust Amazon at all when it comes to that kind of stuff that happened to me too so I had ordered I had ordered it on Amazon and then it said it was delayed yeah and you know Showtime was kind enough to give us a copy to review so I did get I actually did get it early I think I got it before it was available yeah that's cool you got a couple days. I got a couple days before it was available, and then we, I know we already told the story, but Brian yeah, yeah, was yeah. sick. I was sick, and and I was like, "Oh, I have to go yeah. to Best Buy and get you a copy." Yeah, so, so he used his copy that he canceled yeah, Amazon. Right. So the money I would have spent on buying it, I bought for Brian. Yeah, it was it was very nice, yeah. and he, he delivered it to my house. He was my personal <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> That's awesome. I think I was faster that's, than that's Amazon. That's Twin Peaks love right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were faster than Amazon because you actually showed up on time. <laughs> and Ben, I am so impressed by that Blu-ray. I cannot believe how much, how many hours we get yeah. of Lynch directing Twin Peaks. Like, that to me is heaven. It's just incredible to see. Isn't it incredible? Incredible to see all the behind-the-scenes stuff. I never would have expected that we would see all of that. No. 
Yeah. So I just love it. It's just, yeah. I mean, and again, right. If that's all we get, I mean, it's it's a great way to go out. Yeah, definitely. And we're holding out for another re-release with more deleted scenes. It's, it's, it's the 4K, <laughs> the 4K release. Missing, it's going to have season one, right. two, Firewalk With Me, three, Maybe. missing pieces, and then they're going to be like, even more. <laughs> uh, well, Ben, this has been yeah. great talking with you. So excited with all the things you've been doing. I'm so excited I've been able to do them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, like I said, it just it, it seems like it was so long there where nobody really talked about Twin Peaks, or now it's like there's all these events going on and people are actually going to them. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I I also want to believe that there's going to be a fourth season because it seems like the momentum hasn't died. Like, wow, we're still doing these events. Like, right. you know, the the show ended in September. What are we still having these events and things going on now? But yeah, people love the show and it'll, it'll keep That's, going. Yeah, that's how it feels to me. Definitely momentum. It's a good word. Yeah, yeah Showtime. Feels like we got momentum. Yeah, Showtime did say they want to keep exploiting Twin Peaks. Yeah, so. I, we, don't, we don't love the word exploiting, <laughs> but I knew what they meant. They want to. Yeah, they want to get it out there more to wider on somehow. Yeah, and I mean streaming like the show just because it's not on every week, it still lives on Showtime online, and I think it says mm-hmm. they're saying like, hey. You could still watch the show online. You could still still go out and buy the physical disc. So they're making money off of it somehow. Yes. And the pop-ups and all these events are really kind of pushing that product somehow, some way. It's like, oh, you still haven't bought the DVD? Oh, you still haven't watched it? You know? Um, So I think Showtime is very smart to keep on this momentum. And maybe it would lead to more. Maybe David Lynch is, like, secretly watching everything <laughs> and uh, he he kind of knows where the pulse is. Maybe 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 the pulse is big enough where he's like, okay, we could, you know, I could tell people would really dig another season. Right. So who knows? Yeah, he's a se- he's a sneaky guy, David Lynch. <laughs> he is sneaky. He is sneaky. Uh, and I think that Showtime should exploit it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We 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 encourage. You know, keep yeah. exploiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exploit the crap out of it. <laughs> uh, and where where can people find you online? Oh, yeah, uh, we'll see him on Twitter, uh, at Bino Rojo, B-E-A-N-O-R-O-J-O. So I started a Patreon account with the new year. The Lost in the Movies podcast is just what it's called, so it's tied directly to the site. You know, it would be sort of sharing updates on what I was working on. And I thought, you know, that should have a centerpiece, so I should, like, review a film or something. And then one of the rewards could be that, like, for $5, patrons can choose a film that I talk about. And I'll do, like, one of those for each patron each month for, for that so that's what I've been doing now. I've actually got nine of the podcasts. Eight are up, and the ninth one's coming out soon. It'll probably be up by the time you put this up. Yeah. And I open every episode. Welcome to Lost in the Movies. This week I'm covering Carnival of Souls, 
Upstream Color and Shanghai Gesture. Last week I covered Blade Runner 2049. You know, after just a quick greeting, I go into updates, basically three types of updates. I update on things that are going on with Patreon. Every couple weeks I do like for the $10 tier, I do a, a preview of content, like a one minute clip from a movie or two pages from a review. That's just for the for the $10 for the third tier, but I'll mention it on the show and I'll do a a behind-the-scenes update of like works in progress that I'm working on, and then also an update of what's new on the site, like if there's a new post that went up. I haven't posted anything new on LostInTheMovies.com this week, but I did update the picture gallery somewhat. Uh, specifically, the Twin Peaks page now has some more pictures, so I'll link that below. And then after that, I usually go into the films in focus, which are films that are suggested by the second-tier patrons, $5 a month. Depending how many there are, I could do a double feature or a triple feature. Sometimes it's a solo film, and I'll talk about that film. I'll usually play a clip from, like, the trailer, just the audio, and then I'll talk about it for about 15 minutes. Carnival of Souls is the shocker of all time, guaranteed to sweep you into a new dimension of picture-making. You can't afford to miss Carnival of Souls. In No Exit, which would also be a good alternate name for this film, Jean-Paul Sartre famously said, Hell is other people. And this story seems to bear that out. Or does it? They're sort of off the cuff. Like, when I planned the podcast, I thought it would basically be like a live stream. I'm doing way more editing than <laughs> I thought I would. You know, surprise. If you, yeah, if you're surprise, not surprise. It, yeah, we know about that. So, yeah. Much. Yeah. so then when that section's done, I do a Twin Peaks Reflections every week. That's a short segment on just some aspect of Twin Peaks. And lately I've been doing like the books, like I've talking about the Access Guide and Cooper's Autobiography, Laura's Diary. But I also do um, other things. So like, for example, one of my longest ones so far was on the music from Journey Through Twin Peaks. So I talked about how I used various pieces of music in the video series, like at the beginning and end of each chapter and stuff like that. So that was fun. For the next few weeks on Twin Peaks Reflections, I'm going to talk about different Twin Peaks books. And I should put books in quotes because one of them is a audio book that was not actually an adaptation of a book. It was made just for audio. And we'll get to that in a couple weeks. But uh, first, I want to talk about one of the more atypical uh, spin-off books of any TV show, I think. Uh, it's called The Access Guide to Twin Peaks. I do an other topic section. That's like the miscellaneous catch-all. Um, sometimes it'll be like stuff I've been talking about on Twitter and things like that. And there were a lot of films around 99 and 2000, which were really popular with people my age. I was definitely right square in the center of the demographic that these films were, were looking for, you know. That said, though, these films tended to sort of frustrate me, um, sometimes underwhelm me. I, I generally liked most of them okay, but they just, they weren't really what I was looking for for movies. So these films were like Fight Club, um, Three Kings, the David O. Russell movie in Iraq, um, The Matrix, and I would put Memento in that category as well. And they're all very heady films, very sort of uh, conceptual films, first and foremost. And often I felt that they were missing some sort of humanism. And then it ends with uh, opening the archive segment where I'm looking at a specific period of blogging. And I'm going chronologically, so starting in January through July when my 10th anniversary is going to be. Each week I'm covering a different 
like era within the 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 site's history and what I wrote during that time and and what the general sort of mission was at that point. This week's opening the archive is called The Image Emerges. It covers January to February 2010, the first months of the decade that we're presently in. I called this chapter The Image Emerges because this is when the site really starts to become more visual in earnest. Um, there had been certain posts in the past where I'd done like lists of favorite characters or stuff like that, and I tried to include pictures throughout. But this was a period where I actually started screen capping things myself and creating like visual tributes. So it kind of covers a lot of ground. It's about an hour long each week, and you can kind of listen to the parts you want to listen to. I put it out with a description of when each part is and everything like that. So it's that's fun. I think I thought way more people would join for one dollar, and relatively few would join for five or ten. But um, there was actually quite a lot of people joining for five dollars, and um, depending at what level, I would say when it gets definitely by the time it gets to like you know if it gets to twenty people, I would probably have to come up with a different plan because at that point I'm now watching and reviewing twenty films in addition to anything else I'm doing yeah. every month, you know, that's a that, lot. that that's could a lot. just, and yeah, it's like at that point you, it's not very cost efficient, you know, if that's, if you're starting a Patreon to bring in something extra, you know, it's, it's, it gets a little complicated, yeah. but, um, you know, as it is now, it's, it's still manageable. So, um, I'm doing like nine or 10, um, movies each month, just based on what people suggest. And it's fun because different people will suggest totally different things. And then, because I'm doing a podcast every week, I have to combine films into episodes. So sometimes you get different arrangements. Like I did one, um, two people suggested Christopher Nolan films in January. So yeah. I did like one episode that was a double feature of Prestige and Interstellar. So that's fun to do. And it's getting me seeing a lot more movies, honestly, than I had been because I'd kind of been in a situation of just not watching that many movies anymore. Wow. Yeah. Um, even on DVD, you know. Right. So and so, I joined for a dollar. It's a dollar a month. You get what four four episodes in the month. Do you always do you always get one out every week, or is it 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 all depends on? Yeah, no, it's every week. I'm very purposeful about that. And actually, lately, I've been I've been trying to get recordings up ahead of time, so or or finished ahead of time, so that I can have a little bit of a breather, but but still be going at a steady pace. Yeah. So it's like the best dollar I've ever spent, I yeah. think. I mean, you can't Oh, well, be, thank you. Really. I mean, and I, I think I posted that on Twitter that I... Yes, yeah, we I shared mean, that on Twitter. Yeah, we shared it on Twitter. Yeah. I, For anybody who joins at just a $1 a month level, you get access to the podcasts. So, like, you can listen to the new episodes when they drop. And you also get um, a day in advance when video essays, which I haven't done any for a while, but... When those come out, you get um, one-day advance viewing. So when, like, the new Journey Through Twin Peaks comes out and uh, the $5 tier gets, like, a week and $10 tier gets two weeks in advance on those. So, wow. And that's for the full video, not just the clips, which I'm putting up. Yeah, of course, my favorite part is the Twin Peaks reflection section. And I know in Episode 8, you, you were saying how the the access guide you talked about. And in the show notes, we had uh, Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Mentioned. We did, right. yeah. Thank you, Joel. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was a great interview you did with him. 
Richard Saul Werman. How can I help you? I don't think I've ever heard anybody else talk with him about that. So that was like, yeah, uh, that was that a was pretty a special. Deep dive. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> awesome. So, but cool, yeah. mine was just like a few minutes. But I was like, if you want to go more in depth, and then of course the Deer Meadow Radio, he did like a he three did a great part. Job too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark did a great just job. Like he spent like an hour <laughs> talking about like the first fifteen pages of like uh, the access guide with like the waterfall and the going up to like. 1890 in the yes. opera house or something. It's like, man, this is like for the hardcore Twin Peaks people <laughs> like me. I'm, I'm digging oh, it. <laughs> I dig it. That's awesome. I'm so glad that I've signed up for this because it's great every week to hear you and uh, I gotta hop on there I'm so, uh, Joel I'm gonna uh, I'll hop on this week I gotta Sounds support good. you and for people that don't know you sign up and you get this master URL link that I can take and I can put it into whatever podcast okay. uh, you know app that you're listening to so I, I'm actually just for this mm-hmm. I'm just using uh, Apple's podcast it downloads automatically so whenever a new <laughs> episode Joel puts out I just get it and, oh that's cool. great yeah there's an RSS link right right yeah. I don't even know how the tech stuff works but somebody was asking me about you get it onto a platform some so like soundcloud then people can so i haven't looked into that part yet but that may be in the future too that Mm. i'll be doing that it is really kind of cool that we live in an age where people can pay their favorite content creator this has been going on for maybe eight years five years i mean maybe the last couple years has really caught on where people are leaving their full-time jobs and becoming full-time content creators and they're being supported by their fans. And I mean, that's pretty wild. So awesome. It, it, it is truly one of the greatest things the internet has ever gave us. I mean, so you can be supported just by people who like your stuff. I think that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, certainly in this case and, and many others, I think too, even if it's just a small amount, it can sort of provide a nice sort of supplement or boost yeah. that kind of helps you out. And I think it's a nice thing to build as well. Like it's not just sort of like a surge and then a lull a sur- or whatever. It's like, you know, people become patrons and they usually stick around and that can grow over time. So it's like sort of slowly building something and, you know, moving forward with it. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, awesome. definitely. He's been shot full of haloperidol. Right. Garland... Did Wyndham Earl do this to you? Garland? An odd name. Judy Garland? I gotta say, I'm a little bit sort of weary of the cult of Judy that's that's like risen up, I think, since the return. Like, it seems like there's just this whole sort of notion of like... That's it. Judy is the big bad of Twin Peaks now. She has like yeah. the ultimate evil, and it's like... That's such an add-on. Like, that's not... (laughs) And and yes, I know the show does that itself in the season, episode 17, but it's like, it just feels kind of like trite in a way for me to see, like, suddenly the story of Twin Peaks is how to destroy Judy after, like, whatever, 46 episodes of being something else. And I think, obviously, whatever Judy is, is important. It's like the last line of Firewalk with me. It's made into a big theme of 17 and 18. But it has to somehow tie in with the rest of the series. It it can't just be this, like, extraneous new thing added at, like, the last second. Like, it has to somehow relate back to the themes of what we've seen before. I agree. yeah, I just don't yeah. think and, – and like when they say Judy is a negative force, to me that's more ambiguous than saying she is the ultimate evil. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah and I kind of look back just, to the, uh, yeah. the evil that men do. Like I think Judy being in the whole atomic bomb 
that, that that's her yeah. in there. And so in a way, the atomic bomb is the evil that men do, and yeah. yet this seems to be... But, like, why would that need to be... Like, if they already had Bob as, like, a potential metaphor for that, like, hmm. what does Judy bring... Like, I think, was it you guys that I talked with about the idea of, like, if Judy is to Sarah as, like, you know, Bob was to Leland or whatever, like, what does that mean the people have sort of fixated on this idea of like judy's the biggest evil force in the universe and that's what twin peaks is about and sarah's evil because she has judy inside of her and you know and then from there you can go on i feel like laura should be the more of the center i mean when i think about laura and cooper going to the house it was really about laura confronting her demons to me it was more about laura it feels having feels like something like that i don't know yeah. i don't even know if that's laura though <laughs> oh man it's carrie page <laughs> i'm in my middle of season two i'm almost done with season two rewatch uh I'll be going to season three and the only thing about season three like it goes in line with what you're saying mm-hmm. the only thing that's bothered me and i don't know maybe it won't bother me after a while i i don't know but when they put the face of Bob on the evil, I kind of felt like I wish that they kept that ambiguous. That you mean on the ball? Yeah, the, when the when the, when the mother <laughs> spewing up. The, the oh, gr- that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always okay. felt like, why do we need to have Bob's face on there? I don't. I it's it's black. You have the light in the dark. Sometimes I felt like by putting Bob's face in that orb and Laura's face in that orb, right? It was hitting us over the head. With that, like, well, I think the fans would be upset that there was no Bob. Like, Bob was so so much in one and two, and suddenly to be. I I know I wouldn't because Cooper wasn't in it, and you were kind of upset by that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think we would have been. I was just saying, like, like you're saying, Ben, the the atomic bomb is something that men do. It's evil, let right. into the world. For me to have Bob's face on there, it didn't really do anything for me. It was just like, I know that's evil. I know that's evil. Like, I don't need to know. It didn't tell you anything new about Bob? No. It was just Bob's yeah. face superimposed on a orb. But we, so right, we yeah. were left on a cliffhanger in, in, in season two with Cooper being possessed by Bob. And so Co- the- Bob isn't with Cooper. So I don't, like, I'm just saying yeah. that his face being in that orb, to me, if if Bob is a metaphor... I don't need to see his face there. I know what it is. As the audience member, I almost felt like, was that a Lynch idea? Or was that like someone saying, you need to tell the audience what this is? I kind of felt like it was being too obvious. It was just yeah. like, hey, this is Bob. Hey, this. I don't know. I Part of me was just kind of like, I didn't need it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe my, my opinion will change rewatching it. So, Joel, um, are you going to continue to work on Journey through Twin Peaks? Will you get through season three? Are you going to continue video essays? Yeah, my plan was um, a whole schedule to start in January, and then that kind of passed, so I postponed it to March. Now that's passed, so it's going to be April, or else it's going to wait till after the 10th anniversary stuff that I'm doing this summer to revise my whole character series, um, where it's going to be 90 entries, basically, on the characters ranked by screen time. And, you know, because I did so much of it last year, I can keep some of those pieces and just link to them. Some of them I have to update. Some of them will be all new because it's new characters. Um, but I've been doing the early stuff on that, and I still haven't even gotten to the main stuff. So wow. if I can finish that or at least get enough ahead on that in time to, to put that up in, in April, then in July I would do the Journey Through Twin Peaks videos. But that's, you know, that's, like I said, it's all sort of time-dependent. But I, I know the basic structure I want to follow for the Journey Through Twin Peaks videos. But that's all I've done. Other than that, I've just been reading various 
theories and articles and stuff. And at some point I'll get back on Doug Pye. I haven't been on there in a while and have some discussions and kind of start to piece it together. I think for me, what's going to be interesting, there's a lot of like general stuff that I want to talk about and think about with the return. I'm still not totally sure about like the central hook of it. Like for me, when I did journey through twin peaks, that came out of sort of this discovery of twin peaks as a messy but complete whole that led from the pilot to firewalk with me. Hmm. You know, this idea of it like a whirlpool where you start on the periphery with this sort of abstract idea of Laura Palmer and then you end up with her real life and you kind of discover the meaning of that and the spiritual resonance of it and everything. And that was kind of the journey that that was going on. Now I'm not as sure. And it's, it's difficult too because with the return, it was created different. Like part of the story of Twin Peaks to me was that it was made up as it went along. Hmm. And this was made up sort of all at once in a very, or mostly all at once in a very ambiguous situation. We don't really know anything about. We just know Lynch and Frost talked over Skype for like a, a couple years. <laughs> so we don't know anything about the process. There's like a, a cornucopia of stuff to talk about that I'm really excited to talk about. But the overall shape is less clear to me in a way of what it's going to be or what I want to focus on or what kind of argument I, I want to make overall about the series. Even though it was created in a more concentrated way, it feels more diffuse in some ways. Yeah. Mm. I'm less sure what it's about. That's how I'd put it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm really less yeah. sure what season three is about than, than I feel about the earlier Twin Peaks. As like a piece of TV or cinema or whatever, it's like just unrestrained masterpiece. Like this is like one of the greatest things ever to be on TV. And it was so thrilling to watch it. As a piece of Twin Peaks, I feel more ambivalent about mm. where it stands in relation um, to what already existed. Because to me, what already existed was a complete story. Huh. So what this brings to that or complicates from it or, or adheres to within it, I'm still not totally sure. Like there's sort of wisps of things that I'm sort of grasping at, but I don't yet totally have a story to tell about where that goes. But I have some ideas. Like there's certain things I think... Um, Diane, in some ways, feels like one of the most important elements of season three. And I feel like um, I haven't been keeping up that much with the writing on Twin Peaks. But from what I've seen, it seems like she's somewhat neglected. And I know John Thorne has a ton of feelings about her and kind of fascination yeah. with, with her character and the narrative. Like he's writing something right now, I think, that's heavily focused on her importance. Wow. Yeah. Uh, which nice. I think is, is key. Like, cause it, it does feel like there's, there's some sort of key there with her. It's a collaboration like Lynch and Frost never really had on the first series. They had a tug of war there. Yeah. You know, they wrote the pilot head to head, but that was open ended. And after that, they kind of worked back and forth and sometimes at cross purposes. And that's part of like the richness of Twin Peaks with this, you're getting both the Lynch thing and the Frost thing, and they're kind of mashed up together in a way where it's like a real puzzle to try and tease out yeah. where the things come from. And and I think that's important. I mean, some people might say that they would probably say, oh, it doesn't matter. It's a, you know, we come to our ideas come together in the ceiling or whatever, whatever, like Lynch says about, <laughs> right. you know, the collaborative process. But to me, it matters because I think they're really fundamentally different artists. And yeah. Yeah. that's what's so interesting about their work together is they're not that like synchronous. So it's like the, you know, sugar and salt or whatever. Like there's just a 
interesting flavor that comes out from their collaboration because they're so different from each other. With The Return, it involves a lot of kind of guesswork and like thought experiments in a way because, you know, you can look at something one way and be like, well, that's actually just, that's much more of a Lynch thing. And then you can look at it from another and be like, actually, no, it's it's more of a Frost thing, this thing. Because it's not evenly divided the way the early series where like, you know, okay, Frost wrote this one. Right. Uh, Lynch yeah. came in and directed and improvised on this one. Like you know how to distinguish the two forces from each other. So Definitely. you know, it's funny. Is interesting. In in the first season, they actually were able to write everything and they actually filmed everything and they edited everything before it even aired on TV. They had the first season in the can, but it was Mark Frost who was really. You know, yeah. from his background in television that was really driving the show. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to come into this season three and, you know, they're, you're right. They're, there's much tighter writing the scripts together with with Mark and David. Yeah. But then to have David be really the one pushing yeah. the story and rewriting stuff. He took stuff control. And, he took control. Totally took control. Yeah. <laughs> totally took control from filming it and then to editing it and to be so yeah. involved with it. It's funny to go from Mark really heavily involved to ending it, at least with season three here, with really yeah. David heavily involved. And on top of that, like Mark Frost was immersed in TV culture in 1989. He'd been a head writer for several seasons of one of like the top TV shows. He'd written a bunch of TV episodes and on the air, you know, which only lasted, what, seven episodes, not even most of them aired. Twin Peaks basically show ran that first season. Like that was in his bloodstream. Hmm. It's really not anymore. Now he's like a novelist and he doesn't work in he hasn't worked in TV in at least a decade until the until the return. Right. And that was even that I think maybe 15 years or something was the last time he'd worked in TV and and that just so he's already coming to it from a different place at that True. point, you know, yeah. which and is interesting. And he's trying to get the list of 7 into a uh, TV show. I don't know yeah. where they are with that, but that <laughs> Oh was, yeah, that's right. Promoting the history of Twin Peaks, he was talking about that. But I don't know if it's gone anywhere, but I would yeah. love to see him do that the list of 7 as a show. And <laughs> honestly, it would just be great as a Twin Peaks sort of investigator to be like yeah. it will give you a sense of kind of where he's at and like almost you know, like we can look at Twin Peaks, uh, the return, and tease out. Oh, here's some Inland Empire. Here's some Mulholland Drive. Like we'd be able to look at it, and be like, oh yeah, here's some list of seven. You know, like it would, <laughs> it would sort of clarify a little bit. You'd be sifting out like, you know, the frost. <laughs> Definitely. And going back to your podcast, you know what I love about your podcast too is your show notes. I know we were in episode eight show notes, but you do. They're so detailed, and they and it really shows all the research you put into your shows. And I think it's great for people who sign up for the podcast to to be able to continue the research on their own through your show notes. That's cool. Yeah, I have fun putting up the links. Next week's one, which I've already finished, um, well, it might be this. I don't know when you're going to air this episode, but then episode nine, <laughs> the one, the one that's going to talk about Kurosawa's high and low. Um, there's a segment in the other topics where I just talk about podcast episodes I've been listening to. I think all political podcasts. And there's so there's like ten different podcast episodes linked up in the show notes of like stuff that people can listen to if they think the the descriptions are interesting, you know. Wow. So I do, yeah, I do go, uh, I do have fun with those. Joel, thank you so much. It's great talking with you. I'm definitely enjoying your podcast, and I really recommend everybody who's listening to sign up for a dollar. I mean, you can't even get a cup of coffee for that price. So I mean, <laughs> no. like, come on, why aren't you signed up? Thanks, Ben and Joel. 
for being on today's show. Yeah, it was good talking with him. I'm so jealous of Ben that he, he's had he's been doing all sorts of stuff related to Twin Peaks and meeting David Lynch, and he's had he a shook good hands with David Lynch. Joel is now going to podcast like he's doing his his, his pod- Patreon for a dollar. I think everybody should just go. You've been raving that. about it. Yeah, I get four podcasts a month. With and like they're usually at least an hour long and wow. stuff. And he's got so much great information. And if you want, you could just skip to his Twin Peaks section, but go to patreon.com slash lost in the movies and you could become a Patreon member for just a dollar a month. You could be listening to Joel every week. How cool is that? That's so awesome. And he's got so many projects in the pipeline, like off off of like we can't mention them. But it's just like, when do you find find time? Well, he talks about the character studies. Like, I yeah. know he's been trying to get but that But he's doing out. other things. He's got so many other projects. Secret projects stuff, right. going on. Yeah, I don't think he sleeps. I think I, he I, just, like, yeah. works all the time. I, I just, yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, he's a but it's great talking to these guys. And uh, another great show. Yeah. And if you have a comment, question, or a theory, please email us at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Also... Feel free to like us on Facebook at Twin Peaks Unwrapped. And Ben, he's the master of Twitter. Twin Peaks Unwrapped at, we're at Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Um, and Twitter's Unwrap. And Twitter's going good. Facebook is growing great. Yeah. We're on the iTunes. Leave us a four-star review. No, I want a five-star. <laughs> leave us a five-star review. Uh, leave us a nice little comment. That gets us up there in the rankings, and we might do another feedback show one of these days. Yeah, yeah. And like you know, part of the feedbacks we you know we take from Twitter and Facebook and through iTunes. And when you email us, we we love the feedback. Yeah, it could show and up YouTube. on a future show. I want show. to forget YouTube too. You guys are great. Oh yes, YouTube's amazing. Um, the community on YouTube is really cool. Um, it's weird because it's like I would be like, oh, the show is on YouTube. I'll find it off iTunes, but these people listen to us on YouTube, which yes, is so cool. That's their thing. Yeah. It's a community, just like everything else. And we're on Podbean, and we're still waiting to hear back from uh, Spotify. Maybe we shouldn't even mention it. Who knows? If no, it's- I'm going to keep mentioning it until one day <laughs> it happens. All right. It's like, you know, every day you were like, Cooper's going to come back next week? Right. That's my Cooper. Are you saying it's going to take 18 weeks here? It could be, uh, but hey. If I keep saying it enough, it could come true eventually. Well, we'll be back again next week.
welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazaska. Hi, Ben. <laughs> hey, Brian. How's it going? <laughs> I really must be getting tired. Are you all right over there? Oh, man. Did you say, hey, Ben? <laughs> you know what happened was I was really thinking about our... Our, our guests. Yes, ben. Uh, yeah. You're oh. talking to Ben. Ben talking On to Ben. next episode of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. <laughs> The Ben Durant Show. There you go. Oh, wow. Oh. I don't think so. <laughs>